uh, campaign with World Renew. The, there's a flyer in your bulletin, and you can pick up a gift catalog someplace on, on the back on the way out, or go to uh, worldrenew.net slash gifts. And um, it is a wonderful way to celebrate Christmas. We give uh, goats every year to our girls. Um, they, they gift start at like $4 for trees and $15 for chickens and $50 for goats, $100 for a family water system to a couple hundred for a community greenhouse. So um, there are all kinds of options for, for giving there. And we're excited to be able to support World Renew this time of year. And just uh, one more, just huge thank you for those who shared in last week's Thanksgiving service and meal. Um, I, I always have a great time at the Grange. Um, the, the food was wonderful. And those who were there got a chance to meet Mary Mitchell, who is uh, an incredible young lady who is, who is uh, spending her life on the mission field. Um, she's an English teacher but her passion is translating scripture into uh, those unreached languages in the south of Russia with that very special population down there. And um, this is one of those providential works of God. She had to leave Russia, as you can imagine, a year and a half ago. They said, you have five days. People with families got priorities going to the west. The only flight left was to, was to a stand in the south. Um, when she arrived there, she realized that's exactly where God wanted her to be. And for the last year, she has worked there um, teaching English um, and, um, and working on translation projects uh, um, through Pioneer International. So if you have any questions about her work, um, I'm, uh, I'm always ready to, uh, to introduce people to Mary and her work. This week, we're going to begin an Advent series of messages. And the, the theme is getting ready for Jesus. And I'm going to take the chunks of the Old Testament and just uh, just help us get ready for Jesus, um, beginning this morning with Torah. And um, this, uh, this central text in the middle of the, the first five books of Scripture, um, the, the, the Abraham story, which at the very center of the Abraham story has this promise of provision. Um, as Abraham is walking up the mountain with his son Isaac, uh, Isaac turns and says, but where's the lamb for the burnt offering? And Abraham's re response, God himself will provide the lamb for the burnt offering. And I know there is some discussion at Christmas over whether particular movies or particular songs, you know, is White Christmas really a Christmas song? Is Frosty the Snowman really a Christmas song? Um, but there's no doubt whether this text is a Christmas text. The answer is um, yes, and I hope you'll, uh, you'll see why. As we, as we finish this morning. From Genesis 22, the, um, the, the story of, of God's provision for, uh, for Abraham. Sometime later, God tested Abraham, and he said to him, Abraham, here I am, Abraham replied. Then God said, take your son, your only son, Isaac, whom you love, and go to the region of Moriah and sacrifice him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains I will tell you about. And early the next morning, Abraham got up and saddled his donkey. He took two of his servants and his son Isaac. And when he had cut enough wood for the burnt offering, he set out for the place God had told him about. On the third day, Abraham looked up and saw the place in the distance. He said to his servant, stay here with that donkey, and I and the boy will go over there. We will worship, and then we will come back to you. Abraham took the wood for the burnt offering and placed it on his son, and he carried himself the knife, the fire, and the knife. And the two of them went on together. Abraham spoke up and said to his father, 
Father, yes, my son. The fire and the wood are here, but where's the lamb for the burnt offering? Abraham answered, God himself will provide the lamb for the burnt offering, my son. And the two of them went on together. And when they reached the place God had told him about, Abraham built an altar and arranged the wood on it. He bound his son Isaac and laid him on the altar on top of the wood. And he reached out his hand and took the knife to slay his son. But the angel of the Lord called from heaven, Abraham, Abraham, once again, here I am. Do not lay a hand on the boy. Do not do anything to him. For now I know that you fear God because you have not withheld from me your son, your only son. And Abraham looked up and there he, in the thicket he saw a ram caught by its horns. He went over and took the ram, sacrificed it as a burnt offering instead of his son. So Abraham called that this place, the Lord will provide. And to this day it is said, on the mountain of the Lord, it will be provided. Um, Genesis 22, the story of God's provision. Um, Father, thank you this morning for one more opportunity to open your word together. And Father, I ask that we would know um, your provision for us as we look at your provision for your people so long ago. In Jesus' name, amen. So there are an awful lot of places to go with this story. From the beginning, where, um, where, where God almost offers a funeral dirge to Abraham after promising him a son, and Abraham waiting till he was old to be given a son. And then God says, take your son, your only son, Isaac, whom you love. And in Hebrew, it reads even more like a funeral dirge than in English. And they travel for three days as a maybe look forward to the three days of waiting for Jesus' resurrection. And then when Abraham, when Isaac asks Abraham the question, Abraham responds, God himself will provide. Not knowing for sure, Abraham thought, whether that provision was Isaac himself or a ram on that mountain. And when the servants ask um, what, what's going on, Abraham says, we will go up to the mountain and did you catch it? And we will return fully convinced that if he followed through with God's terrible word that his son would be restored to him. And then Abraham's provision on that mount, um, the very mount we believe the temple was later built right next to the place where Jesus was sacrificed. God does provide a lamb for the sacrifice. This provision confirms Abraham's faith. faith. And Torah, the, 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 the beginning books of the Bible, often tell the story of God's redemption of his people, of God's work with his people, in, with the themes of sonship and sacrifice. And nowhere is it more powerful then when God asks Abraham to sacrifice his son and then provides the sacrifice himself. And when Jesus shows up 2,000 years later, he's introduced to us as the Lamb of God, God's provision for us who takes away the sin of the world. Um, the story of God's provision in the middle of Torah, the beginning books of the Bible. Um, what, one way I like to think of the Bible is as a library of books. It's not one book, it's a library of books. 66 written by dozens of different authors, 
over the course of more than 3,000 years. And it's this incredible book. And you start with those five books of Torah. And then you have the history, the early history of the kingdom, the latter history of the, um, of the restoration. And along with that, prophets. Early prophets that go with the early kingdom and latter prophets that go with the latter kingdom. And you have the wisdom books. And, and, um, and, and then you get to the New Testament and you have the, uh, uh, the, the Gospels, which tell the story of Jesus. And then the epistles, the letters of the early church, which flesh out, which explain what this whole thing means. Um, and what, what has happened in, this, in Scripture is that, is that at the beginning, God gives us these incredible pictures as he prepares his people over the course of 2,000 years for the Jesus event. Um, beginning in Torah, those first five books, the books of Moses, creation, the Exodus, arrival at the, new, at the promised land, where the picture of God is his provision for us. Then the, the, the early prophets, the former prophets in history, where the picture is of God's kingship, and then the latter prophets, where the picture is of God's restoration of his people after the exile. And, and then the, the wisdom books, where, where Jesus is the, the fullest expression of God's character, his love, and his wisdom for us. And then you get to the Gospels, which tell us the Jesus story itself. And then the epistles, which explain um, th this, this Jesus event to the early church. Um, a, a library picture. My first Hebrew professor, um, Dr. Allen, loved the image of the rose to explain how this works. And uh, the, the Torah, where we are this week, is the, the bud. The, the rose is there. Um, and we can begin to see some of the beauty of it, its color, what kind it is. Um, but we have to wait. It's not fully revealed yet. And over the course of the Old Testament, through the former prophets in history, through the wisdom books, through the latter prophets, that rose begins to open up. And we see more and more and more. God reveals more and more of the, the Jesus story, from provision to kingship to restoration to wisdom and love. All these themes get revealed to us till at the Gospels, it's ready to go in the bouquet. I mean, that's the rose you want to sell at the... At the, uh, at the uh, Okay, who sells roses? Um, market. <laughs> Thank you at the market. Um, and then in the epistles, the, the roses all the way open up, and you begin to pluck the petals off and study them one at a time, all the, all the intricacies of, of the incarnation and the atonement and, and all those re and the reason Jesus came. Um, and, and I love that picture. So we're at the bud stage today, and over the course of the next month, we're going to see that rose open up till on Christmas morning, Actually, Christmas Eve morning, because of the way the Sundays fall this year, Christmas Eve morning, we're going to celebrate that rose being open and we can see it in all its beauty because Jesus has arrived. Um, that's the plan for the next few weeks. Um, and uh, as, we, as we watch this, this bud begin to open up as we follow the uh, scripture, this week, Torah, next week, the former prophets, the week after that, the latter prophets, then the wisdom and poetry books, um, and I'm taking big chunks. Uh, I apologize. Um, if you want a little bit more detail, Wednesday nights, 7 o'clock Pacific Standard Time on Zoom and at our home, we'll be, we'll be diving a little bit deeper on Wednesday nights to these same themes. Okay, 
So I'm suggesting that the picture from Torah is of God's provision for us. And it begins to reveal his character to God's people beginning more than 3,000 years ago as God tell, begins to tell his story. Um, this week, Mary left me with a gift for hosting her at our home, which is always fun. You, know, you never know what missionaries are going to do when they're at your house, right? And she left a, she left a prayer book um, written in Tartar, the, the language of the, uh, of the people in the Caucasus in, in southern Russia, um, that her group had been working on. Um, so this is, a, this is a prayer book, and the opening page of the prayer book is this picture. How many have seen um, uh, Rublev's Trinity before? For how many? Nobody here has seen. This is a 15th century, uh, early 1400s Russian icon painted by the most famous of the uh, late medieval Renaissance uh, Russian artists, Andrei Rublev. Um, the Russians have been fighting over this for the last hundred years, and it's finally ended up just in this last year in the Russian Orthodox Cathedral in Moscow after it had been transferred all over Russia, um, getting damaged in the, uh, in the, uh, in the process. Um, it's the most famous of the ancient Russian, of, of, the, of the medieval Russian icons. Um, it is a, it's a picture that he painted to illustrate when the three angels, the three men, show up to promise Abraham that his son is going to be born. And the text says, as they show up, um, the, the Lord said when the angels speak. And Rublev took that to mean that these three men or angels, it's not clear what they are in the text, represent the, the character of God as Father, Son, and Spirit. And he painted this to reflect on the left, the Father, in the middle, the Son, on the right, the Spirit, with the Oak of Mamre in the, in the background and Abraham's house in the background. Um, this this picture has for 600 years um, been used by Christians to tell the story of, of Jesus. It is one of the most um, uh, expressive of those Renaissance-era icons. It's in Genesis 18, and it begins to introduce us to the God who provides the Lord said to Abraham in Luke Genesis 18.10, and we don't know which of those characters is speaking, I will surely return about this time next year, and Sarah, your wife, will have a son. In the provision God makes to Abraham for his promises. And um, I, I, just, I, I am struck by the fact that the that Torah in telling the story of God's provision, in this scene, God's provision of a son for Abraham begins to reveal for us the, the incredible aspects of God's character. Um, the story begins as God steps into the darkness of humanity in sin in Genesis chapter 3, and God promises to provide a crusher. In his statement to the serpent after the fall, Genesis chapter 3, he says, I'll put enmity between you and the woman, between your offspring, the Satan line, and hers, the 
Eve line. It's not the Adam line yet. It's still the Eve line. And he, that is Eve's son, will crush your head and you will bruise his heel, which is a which is an, an anticipation of crucifixion and, um, and Jesus' humiliation there. That, that God, that, that in Torah, God steps into humanity at its darkest moments. Adam and Eve in the garden. The people of God as they're in slavery in Egypt. And the story is told about how God acts. And the story is told of a God who has a particular plan for redeeming his people. Whether it's in, in, uh, in the garden, or during the flood, or when Abraham is a wandering Aramean um, before his call, or most importantly, when God's people are slaves in Egypt in the opening chapters of Exodus, um, where, where God has this plan to redeem his people. And what we find out as we read Torah, as we read the opening books of the Bible, that God's plan has from the beginning, has begun with grace, has from the beginning been a plan of grace. In Deuteronomy chapter 7, as, as God's people are now hundreds of years after Abraham and 40 years wandering across the desert waiting to come into the promised land, and the next chapter begins the form of prophets next week, um, God tells his people this, the Lord did not set his affection on you and choose you because you were more numerous than the other people, for you were the fewest of all. But it's because the Lord loved you and kept the oath he swore to your fathers that he brought you out with a mighty hand and redeemed you from the land of slavery, from the power of Pharaoh. Know then that this is that your God is God. He is a faithful God, keeping his covenant of love. And what God's people learned through that first thousand years of the history of God and his people is that God was going to provide. And if they looked closely at his provision, they would see his faithful love. That's the lesson of the first five books of Scripture. Um, lessons for us, I just, uh, three things struck me this week as, as I was doing my, um, my speed read through those uh, uh, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and, and Deuteronomy, those first books. One, um, th that God's provision always reminded the people about what was most important. Th there, there's, this, there's this moment in the middle of the story as God's people have left Egypt. And I know I'm just, I am going from eternity, from uh, history past through, uh, to um, uh, the... Uh, uh, Exodus, like everybody, just follows those thousands of years of history. But we've just we've covered thousands of years of history from from uh, um, uh, Adam and Eve in the garden to Abraham to uh, to the Exodus. Uh, there's a moment as they're leaving Egypt that they begin to complain. You know, we have plenty of food in Egypt. You brought us out the desert, um, and, and this is God's uh, God's response in. Um, uh, uh, this is this is and God gave them excuse me God gave them manna, and now after forty years of crossing the desert, this is this is what God says: Be careful to follow every command I'm giving you, so that you may live and increase and enter and possess the land that God promised you. Um, by the way, the next section of scripture is how they possessed the land. That's 
God's getting ready for the next section. Remember how God led you across the desert these years to humble you, to test you, to know what was in your heart, whether or not you would keep his commands. The same way he tested Abraham, tested his people in the, des in the desert. He humbled you, caused you to hunger, and then fed you with manna, which neither you nor your fathers had known, to teach you that man does not live by bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. That, that God's provision from the very beginning has been to remind his people about what's most important. And what's most important has always been listening to their God. Um, by the way, uh, those are the same words Jesus repeats when he's tempted by Satan in the desert. Um, Jesus knew his, uh, his Torah very well. Um, God's provision is so that his people can be a blessing to this world. God's first encounter, his first promise to Abraham is this in Genesis 12. I will make you a great nation and I will bless you. And that implies you can't, he can't do that without a son and without a place. That's the rest of the New Testament. I mean Old Testament. And I will make your name great and you will be a blessing and I will bless those who bless you. Whoever curses you, I will curse. And all the people of the earth will be blessed through you. That God provided for Abraham and God provided for his people in the desert and God provided for Adam and Eve so that his people could be a blessing um, to this world. And, and, um, and the third thing I thought about was that everywhere I read God's provision popping into the story, people's lives were changed. Um, and it wasn't that God learned something when he provided for his people. It's that his people learned something when God provided for his people. Um, at the end of the, the Abraham story, on that mountain, when God says, do not lay a hand on the boy, do not do anything to him, now I know that you fear God. Um, had God forgotten that? Did God not know that? I don't think so. We're not talking about God being reminded of something. We're talking about Abraham having to be reminded about how incredible faith is. And about um, the, the testing that builds our faith. And Abraham looked up and there in the thicket he saw a ram. And from that moment on, Abraham knew, Abraham thought about God's provision in a brand new way. That's what happens when we encounter God's provision. Um, now, I already said that I'm not the biggest fan of Christmas music starting in, like, September in stores. Um, but I am a fan of our whole culture taking a pause at the darkest season of the year when people are putting lights up because it's so dark, um, celebrating this moment of Jesus' arrival celebrating God's provision for us um, and, um, and having an opportunity again as we celebrate God's provision with this community of, uh, of having our faith confirmed one more time. Um, Christmas, the, the Advent season, is an opportunity for us to, um, 
to experience God's provision of his son and, um, and celebrate that we have a God who really does provide for us. Um, Father, thank you for lessons from Torah. And, and I ask that, uh, that you would um, repeat those lessons in, uh, in 21st century Anacortes. In Jesus' name, amen. So there are a number of the hymns of the church that, um, that anticipate the Jesus event. Um, Come Thou Long Expected Jesus is just one of those. And um, are, are you going to join us on this one? Oh, it'll take just a second for the brass to get back up here. Um, would you please stand with me? Come Thou Long Expected Jesus.